Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 220. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news, views, and reviews. Thanks for listening and thanks for downloading once again. First time listeners, welcome aboard. We hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Samsung in crisis again after more Note 7 fires. Freeview to launch a new app to watch free-to-air TV anywhere. And Google unveils its new Pixel smartphone. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at Samsung's new Dolby Atmos soundbar, the pocket iPocket drive for iPhone and iPad, and the Fitbit Charge 2. And we'll wrap it up with the Tech Guide help desk, as we always do. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Lots to chat about, so let's jump straight in. Well, it's not been the best week so far for Samsung. We uh, know very well the woes the company have been going through for the past month because of the Galaxy Note 7, the battery cell issues that have caused some of their devices to explode, to catch fire, uh, and that resulted in a massive recall, a global recall. And replacement devices were filtering out uh, over the last couple of weeks for those customers who chose to replace the device rather than to get a refund. Well, the problem has reared its ugly head once again, and the worry is that the devices that have been reported, or there have been five incidents in the US in the past week of Note 7 devices catching fire or exploding, And the issue is that these were replacement Note 7 devices that were deemed safe by Samsung have now been caught up in these latest incidents. Samsung have recalled those devices. They wanted to examine those devices to find out to try to get to the bottom of why they would catch fire. Now, these these devices were checked. They had the uh, markings on the packaging. They had the green battery icon, which were, these were in ways for, to, that it would indicate that the devices were safe to use, replacement devices. They, they even had EMEI numbers that could be checked on the Samsung website. I know at least one of these products that EMEI number was checked on the site, and it was uh, t- it, it did say that that was a product that was safe to use. There's been uh, all the incidents that have occurred. Uh, these latest incidents have all occurred in the U.S. 
Uh, there's been two issues in Kentucky. One of these, worryingly, was aboard an aircraft. Uh, a passenger noticed smoke coming from the Note 7, and they had to, luckily the plane hadn't departed yet. It was still on the ground before takeoff, uh, and the plane had to be evacuated. That was aboard a Southwest flight. Uh, there was another incident in Kentucky, another in Minnesota, one in Texas, and one in Virginia. One of these incidents, uh, the the man said that his his daughter was actually playing with the device minutes before it caught fire, and he thought, well, imagine what could have happened if she was still holding the product. So the alarm bells are ringing pretty loud for Samsung right now. There's talk that they, the Note Seven brand is is maybe completely discontinued within the company. Rumors are flying all around. There's plenty of reports that Samsung is in absolute crisis mode, trying to to regain not only the customer's trust, but to get to the bottom of this issue. Samsung have released excellent devices in the past. The Galaxy Galaxy 7, uh, S7 uh, earlier this year, the S7 Edge, both excellent devices that continue to be really popular in the market. The Note 7, which was announced in mid-August, uh, in, in early August, I should say. I was actually in New York for the launch of that product. It was the flagship product for the company, aimed at the really high-end power user. Uh, and, and obviously, a lot of people uh, bought the product when it went on sale in late August. Uh, there were more than 2.5 million sales worldwide. Uh, but in the meantime, just a couple of weeks after that launch, the issues started occurring and Samsung began that recall. Now, this could potentially lead to these latest incidents could potentially lead to a second recall. So imagine you, you've waited patiently for a replacement product and you could be faced with the with the prospect of having to return that replacement product once again so they can make sure that they're all safe to use. Uh, Samsung released a statement. Uh, Samsung Australia released a statement today. I'll read it to you really quickly. Samsung Electronics Australia, Australia is aware of a number of incidents involving replacement Galaxy Note 7 smartphones. Samsung is conducting a thorough investigation into this matter. We continue to move quickly to investigate the reported cases to, ter- to determine the cause and will provide an update as soon as possible. Samsung Electronics Australia is working with its partners. We understand that telecommunications operators and retailers in Australia have paused the supply of replacement Galaxy Note 7 smartphones in this country and are providing loan phones to concerned customers. Samsung Electronics Australia would like to reassure our customers that we take this matter very seriously. We apologise for any inconvenience and appreciate their patience as we work diligently through this process. That was the Samsung Australia statement that was issued earlier today, uh, today being Monday. And we uh, will wait to see the developments around this story. Uh, You can read about those developments. We'll keep you updated throughout the week at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Okay, uh, change gears a little bit here. We're going to talk about a new Freeview app, uh, which will allow you to watch your favorite free-to-air channels anywhere on your mobile device. Freeview today announced this new app, which will be called Freeview FV. It'll be available for free, we believe, on iOS and Android devices in November. That's next month. So what you'll be able to do is to take your viewing experience 
outside the home. Now, I do know that there are ways to do this already on individual apps, whether it's a, a catch-up app, whether it's Channel 9's app, 7, 10, uh, and, and even through uh, Foxtel apps as well. You can watch Foxtel channels on the move. But this is the first time that we've seen all of the TV stations gather behind Freeview, which is the company behind the free-to-air channels, uh, the the uh, free-to-air channels, and and offering that hybrid service on smart TVs and set-top boxes. So this is the first time that all the channels are available in one place, through through an app, without any having to connect any other devices or digital receivers. Uh, to view your free-to-air content on the move. There have been devices in the past that can tap into the digital signal and don't use data. We've reviewed plenty of those on Tech Guide, But the ability now to just view it using an app, you will have to use your data, unfortunately. But if you are in Wi-Fi or you've got a huge data allowance, that won't be an issue. So now, rather than you recording or catching up with a program, when you're on the move, now you have the. It's possible now to watch that that uh, event, that sporting event, the TV show, whatever it happens to be, on your mobile device as if you were sitting in front of your television at home. So you'll have the same service that free to air. There'll be more than fifteen free to air channels. What will also be included on the app will be catch up content as well uh, from all of the networks, all within that same app. You can also browse and search for programs. You can view a free-to-air TV guide, and there'll also be recommendations based on what you've been watching. So if there is a particular program that you like, it may suggest other programs, uh, similar programs that you might enjoy as well. Uh, the app, as we said, is not going to be available until November. That's next month, and we're expecting it to be for, f- for a free app, free download on the App Store for iOS. So that's iPhones and iPads, and of course also for Android devices as well, smartphones and tablets alike. So live streaming of your favorite TV shows will happen. You'll be able to watch them anywhere, whether it's on your commute or when you've got any bit of free time when you're on the go. Uh, it will, as we said, take uh, it will use data to stream that. Uh, so there is there won't be uh, any free streaming unless uh, Telstra offers services. All the networks offer services within their own networks with their own little apps that allow you to access things like music and 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 streaming video on demand, subscription video on demand without using data. This won't be one of those apps, but if you're in Wi-Fi, you've got plenty of data, you'll be able to watch them as you go. A really interesting part of this, though, Freeview FV will also be used to measure the ratings. So they are going to include views on the free app on mobile devices as part of the overall ratings system. They're going to be included in the latest ratings, which I think will be interesting. They should hopefully be able to give us uh, the ratings of viewing on mobile devices on their own. So there may be some shows that may be a hit when you're watching them in your lounge room, but there are other shows that may be more popular being viewed on the mobile. So uh, I'd be really keen to see those as well. If you want to check out that story and read more about the Freeview FV, we've got the whole, all the details, the whole story at techguide.com.au. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling 
wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, Google have been busy for the last few weeks uh, before their announcement late last week of the new Google Pixel smartphone. This is, uh, there are two new devices. There is going to be uh, the Pixel, which has a five-inch screen, and then there will also be the Pixel XL, which has a 5.5-inch screen. And the timing is really interesting because it was just a couple of weeks after uh, Apple launched the iPhone 7. So Google have come out on the front foot uh, taking on the iPhone 7 with their new Pixel and Pixel XL smartphones. They're going to be available on October 20, so you can get them on a plan through Telstra or purchase them outright at JB Hi-Fi or online at Google's site. Pre-orders are already underway. I will reveal pricing a little later. But first of all, let's talk about the devices themselves. They are made of glass and steel, aluminium, I should say, and they look, in my opinion, a little bit like the iPhone 7 in terms of the curved edges and the curved edge on the, on the screen as well. They've, they've got the 5-inch and 5.5-inch versions covered with Corning Gorilla Glass 4. They have AMOLED screens, and that's full HD with the Pixel and quad HD with the larger Pixel XL. Uh, and, and these screens are capable of displaying 16.77 million colors and have amazing black, really deep blacks and great con- contrast. So we watch so much content on, on our devices, it does pay to have a really good display to enjoy it even more. Uh, it has that aluminum body that I mentioned. It's also got a fingerprint scanner on the back of the device so you can unlock the product. It's going to be available in silver and black uh, and there, there are, as I said, some similarities with the, the iPhone in terms of design, but there are plenty of first-up features here that Google are offering, and one of them is Google Assistant. Now, this puts Google, the power of Google. We, we use Google in so many different ways, whether it's for search, whether it's for maps, for doing various things, managing tasks, but Google Assistant uh, puts that power right at your fingertips. So you can, just by talking to the device, you can find files, translate stuff, manage your travel plans, find photos on your device, uh, get questions to answers if you want to do a search, manage your tasks, all of these different things. Now, we know also that our smartphone uh, is our go-to camera, and camera quality is a really important feature for customers. Well, people who are looking at the Google Pixel will be pleased to know that the onboard 12.3 megapixel camera is the highest rated camera on a smartphone. And that rating comes from DxO Mark. Uh, they had gave the Pixel a score of 89, which is the highest ranking for a smartphone. So according to DxO Mark, they're saying that the Google Pixel has the best camera on a smartphone. The camera has an f2.0 aperture and larger pixels so that more light comes in. It's all about low light photography and they're addressing that really well. There's also photo modes on board so you've 
you've got HDR+. Plus. You can even do a bit of lens blur, panorama in fisheye mode, and you can even take photospheres, which is like an extreme fisheye image. There's also smart burst as well. But what's really interesting too, and this again will appeal to users who are sick of running out of room on their device because they've taken too many photos or shot too many videos, what's going to happen, Pixel users can can receive, will receive unlimited online storage on Google, of course, Google storage for their images and videos. So you are never going to run out of room. You're never going to run out of memory. Memory-wise, the devices have 32 gig and 128 gig options for storage. But they, those limits don't mean anything because Google storage allows you to store all those pictures, all those videos in the cloud without ever worrying that you're going to run out of space. Uh, on the battery side, the Pixel and Pixel XL have a 2770 milliamp hour and 3450 milliamp hour battery capacities, and they're saying that the, you can, after only 15 minutes of charging, you'll receive up to seven hours of battery life. So plug it in for 15 minutes, it'll run for another seven hours. Uh, you've charged it through the onboard USB-C port as well. So uh, a really impressive device. Uh, there's a lot of features that are going to appeal to, to users, including the quick switch adapter. Now, we all know the, the pain points when it comes to switching from one device to another. That's a bit of a hassle. It takes some work to get all your stuff across. But imagine switching from iOS to Android or Android or vice versa. That's even more difficult. Well, Google says they've got a three-step process that can allow you to get your stuff across really quickly, really easily with their quick switch adapter. You connect this little little dongle, sign into your Google account, and then simply choose what you want to transfer. Even if it's from an iPhone, you can even transfer iMessages, your photos, videos, music, all across really easily. So the Google Pixel, it's going to be available on October 20. And pricing starts at $1,079 for the 32 gig pixel. That's the same price as the iPhone 7 32 gig. The, uh, the Pixel 128 gig is 1229 bucks. Moving up to the Pixel XL, that starts at $1,269 for the 32 gig model and $1,419 for the Pixel XL 128 gig model. Now, I have to be honest, I was a little surprised with that pricing. I believe that's a little high. Uh, competing with Samsung and Apple side by side, I think is a bit ambitious on Google's part, I, I know that these devices, while I haven't had it in my hand, I can see they are they are quality products with great features. Uh, I just think that if a, a customer has a choice of a Pixel or a Samsung S7 Edge or an iPhone 7, I think that Apple and Samsung are probably going to win. If they had a price this phone a little cheaper, maybe a couple of hundred dollars cheaper, maybe 899 or who knows, 799 I think they would probably double the sales because... Uh, people would have seen the value and competing at that top end. I think Google obviously wanted to put themselves into that top tier. They believe that uh, their phones are worth that kind of money. Time will tell. October 20 is only around the corner. We'll see if customers are embracing this device as well. You want to check out the device, the Google Pixel and Pixel XL. See those prices for yourself and also check out all the features. You can do that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. 
The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information? Things like passwords, photos, credit card details, all of them can be exposed to hackers and identity thieves. Well, Norton Wi-Fi Privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online, so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Wi-Fi Privacy app. To learn more, visit au.norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi Privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennett. Tech Guide. Okay, our first review of the week is a Samsung product, and I know at the top of the show I was mentioning the uh, woes that the company mobile division is in at the moment, dealing with the Note 7 issues, but... We had an opportunity to look at another product of theirs, and this that was the HWK950 Dolby Atmos soundbar. And by the sounds of it, they have no problems in this area. This is an excellent product. Now, it has Dolby Atmos on board. Dolby Atmos is a new sound standard. Atmos is actually short for atmosphere. So what it is, it offers a three-dimensional fuller sound so that it appears that sound is not only coming from around us, but also from above us as well. So hence the name Atmos adds a little bit of atmosphere. Now the HWK950 soundbar has speakers built into the device, the front of the device and the top of the device. The unit also includes two rear speakers and a wireless subwoofer as well. The two rear speakers are wireless. So how does it create the Atmos effect? Well, what you get with this system is a 5.1.4 channel system. Now, the 5 is your front, front left and right center and rear left and right speakers. That's 5. The point 0.1 is the subwoofer. Now, where does the point 0.4 come in? They are the speakers that aim at the ceiling and reflect the sound back down onto the viewer. That's the point 0.4. There are two upward firing speakers on the soundbar itself and one each on the rear speakers, that's four in total, that fire up to the ceiling and reflect down on the viewer. Now, we spent uh, some time with the soundbar. We watched a couple of movies, and I have to say, for a product that costs $1,999, and that's for the whole package, the soundbar, for the subwoofer, the two rear speakers, uh, this sounds absolutely stunning. To achieve this with a, a, a real, like a, a dedicated home theatre system, you'd need not only a Dolby Atmos uh, compatible receiver, you'd also need all of your surround speakers and speakers built into the ceiling to achieve this. So what Samsung has done in a sub $2,000 system is nothing short of remarkable. We did sit down with this, as I said, with some movies and a lot of the latest releases, whether they're on Blu-ray or 4K UHD, have Dolby Atmos soundtrack included. Many of these films' latest releases, like X-Men Apocalypse, we watched uh, Transformers Age of Extinction, the film starring Mark Wahlberg. That was one of the first Dolby Atmos enabled 
labelled releases on Blu-ray. We also watched Mad Max Fury Road, John Wick starring uh, Keanu Reeves, and also some scenes from Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, would you believe, has also got Dolby Atmos as well. So you can hear those movies like never before. And I've always been a fan of great audio for films because they do add so much more to your enjoyment of that particular movie. So being able to, to be literally enveloped by sound, not only on the horizontal plane, but coming down on the viewer. Uh, and that effect is so good when, you, when there are things flying above you, debris dropping from the sky, things like that. You can actually hear them coming from that direction. It is absolutely remarkable. So the, the system itself, really easy to set up too. We've, we've set it up in, in a few minutes, just a couple of HDMI cables. It does have 4K pass-through, by the way, as well. So if you are connecting a 4K television, it will pass through the 4K signal as well as the audio as well, so that you rather than having three different remote controls, you can handle everything with one. So not only was the Atmos effect uh, excellent, but also the clarity that you get from not only the sound bar, there are, there are like 15 speakers in total here, you get great clarity from the sound bar, you also get great bass response too from the subwoofer, so really clean, great clarity, as well as having a really authoritative bass and that Dolby Atmos effect as well, really adds up to a winner. The Samsung HWK950, it's priced at $1,999, it's available now, and if you read, want to read our full review, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Well, our next product is especially for you iPhone and iPad users. It's called the iPocket Drive. Now, this is basically a USB drive for your iPhone or iPad. On one end is a USB 2.0 plug. On the other end is a lightning plug. And on board is memory, whether it's 18, 16 gig or 32 gig of memory. And you simply plug one end if you want to get your content on the iPocket drive, for example. So plug one end, the USB 2 port, uh, 2 plug into your computer, your PC or Mac. Drag across the content you want to you want to view or listen to, whether it's music, whether it's a movie, TV show, uh, photos. You drag that across to iPocket drive and then... Off you go. You might get on a flight, get on the train, on the bus, whatever you want to do. You're on the move. You simply then, when you're on the go, plug in the lightning port, the lightning plug, into your iPhone or iPad, and up will pop the dedicated app that runs the the Photo Fast app, it's called, that opens automatically whenever there is an iPocket drive connected. And from there is a directory of your files. So you can choose video, music, pictures, you can even use it to copy content from your phone to the iPocket drive as well. You can even use it to do things like backups, uh, free up some space on your on your iOS device. You can even back up your contacts, create a shortcut, so really easy to, to get a create a copy of your contacts, which is always handy to have. Uh, it's a really handy device, getting content on and off iPhones. And iPads usually require wireless transfer, or if you want to plug them into a, to your computer and, and sync them all and do all that, well, the iPocket drive just makes it a whole lot easier. 
It's available in three capacities, 8 gig, 16 gig, and 32 gig. It's not very big either. It's quite small. fits in the palm of your hand. I think it's uh, the, the dimensions are 51.8 millimetres long, 30.6 millimetres wide, 9.8 millimetres thick, about the size of a 50-cent piece in terms of width and length, uh, and 9.8 millimetres thick. So really easy, literally pocket size, hence the reason why it's called the iPocket Drive, because it can fit in your pocket. Pricing. The 8 gig is 40 bucks, 16 gig $45, 32 gig $55, and available from our friends at simtechtech.com. Yes, that's two techs in that name, and I've created a link at Tech Guide as well as some images so you can see exactly how small this product is. The iPocket Drive, you want to check it out, you can see it for yourself at techguide.com.au. And next up, we're talking Fitbit, and in particular, the Fitbit Charge 2. Now, this is the latest wearable uh, fitness tracker, activity tracker, whatever you want to call it, from Fitbit. Now, Fitbit is the global leader when it comes to creating products like this. Uh, their their global reach, I think, is, is quite high in terms of percentage of the market. We're talking more than 50% of the market is in Fitbit's hands. And their new product, the Charge 2, really takes it to the next level. The original Charge, which had the heart rate monitor uh, and a small display, Display was was hugely popular, and Charge Two makes that even better. For a start, it's got a it's got a display that's four times bigger than the previous model. So not only can you fit the time and the date, you can also fit other information on the screen that you can tap through quite easily. Whether it's your steps, your distance travelled, calories burned, flights of stairs you've gone, resting heart rate, it's all there at your fingertips. And when you want to take this out for a run or a walk. It can detect what you're doing. So if you're out walking, it will detect you're moving. If you're running, it will also detect that as well. There's also the option of you setting specific exercises that you're doing. You might be running on a on a treadmill, for example, or an elliptical machine. You might be doing weights. You might be doing some other kind of activity. There are plenty to choose from within the device that allows it to track whatever you're doing. And then once it syncs to the app on your device, your smartphone or your tablet or even on your computer, you can access access that information, you can then look back at your progress. And that's one thing I really liked about the product. Apart from the product itself, which is uh, really slick, you can change the bands. It's not too bulky, and it's a good size to be worn by either men or women. So you can use it actually as a watch. It all, it's also a smart watch as well. or well, It's got that smart connectivity, so you can see messages, incoming calls. Can't do anything with those notifications, so you can't answer messages or even talk through it to answer a call. But at least you know something is happening you're getting you're receiving a call or you're receiving a text so you can tell whether you need to get your phone out of your product out of your pocket to do something about it uh, the app itself uh, as I said is really is a great companion device a companion to the product you can look back at your progress so you might want to graph how well you've been how many steps a day that you've been doing or how well you've been sleeping you can also wear this to bed and it will tell you just how well you're sleeping how long you're awake whether you're restless you are sleeping soundly that is all there for you to look at now this is a product that's designed to keep track of what you're doing simply strapping this on yourself doesn't mean you're going to lose weight it doesn't mean you're going to get you're going to get fitter it's only there to show you where you're at so for you to make any kind of progress if you have a goal that you set a fitness goal you want to reach 
a great way to start is obviously knowing where you're at now. So how fit you are, how many steps you're currently doing, what you're doing right now. The Fitbit Charge 2 is a great way of looking at that, looking at everything you're doing and telling you then, right, this is what you're doing. This is how much you weigh. This is what you got to do. So what you can do then is challenge yourself to do more steps per day, climb more flights of stairs, be more active, do more exercise, and this will then allow you to monitor that progress. So I, I read, a, I heard a report that said that fitness trackers don't don't help people lose weight. Well, of course they don't. You need to move. You need to exercise. This is just a way for you to monitor what you're doing and how much you're doing. It's just it's the same way that a, a set of scales can tell you how much you weigh. Buying a set of scales won't mean you're going to lose weight. That's not how they work. It will only show you what your current weight is, your current situation. The same thing goes for the Fitbit Charge 2. But having that on your wrist, having it there, you do get reminders about moving once an hour. You can even be put through relaxed, uh, relaxed breathing sessions as well. So having it on your wrist is a constant reminder that, yes, we are keeping track of you. They are looking at how many steps you're doing. And so that way you're at least, you, you've got something to answer to. So you can set yourself the challenge, even challenge your family, friends through the app so you can keep moving. And if you want to reach a certain weight or a certain level of fitness, it'll allow you to do it. The heart rate monitor is quite handy as well. It's on your wrist rather than having to wear a chest strap. And having a heart rate monitor also tells you what what sort of level of intensity that you're training. There may be a certain level of intensity you, you want to achieve to, to either get fitter or burn fat. This allows you to do that, and you can check that progress in the app as well. One thing you can't do on the downside is you can't swim with this. It's not a waterproof product. So don't think you're going to jump in the pool and start doing laps, and the Fitbit charge is going to measure it, because it's not. It's not waterproof. So be careful if you want to do that. The Apple Watch Series 2 is waterproof now. It, it can let you do that. Fitbit charge, while being a lot cheaper than the Apple Watch, it can't be taken into the water. Speaking of price, I did mention the uh, it is cheaper than the Apple Watch Series 2. It is $249.95, which I think is great value for what you're getting. Battery life is exceptional. You get about five or six days of battery life out of this thing before you have to charge it. The other downside, though, is that it, it requires a specific cable and clamp that allows you to charge the Fitbit Charge 2. And if you leave that behind, if you say go away for a few days and you forgot that cable behind, there's no other way of charging it. So remember to take your cable with you if you are going to be away from home or doing something like that, if you want your Fitbit charge to be working while you are away. The Fitbit Charge 2, it's priced at $249.95. And our complete review is there for you to read at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. You can get the fastest speeds available with the new Netgear Nighthawk X8 AC5300 smart Wi-Fi router. With speeds of up to 5.3 gigabits per second and tri-band Wi-Fi, you can deliver more Wi-Fi to more devices in your home. The Netgear Nighthawk X8 has four external active antennas plus four internal antennas which amplifies your Wi-Fi's range. 
Smart Connect intelligently selects the fastest Wi-Fi band for every device in your home, and with ReadyCloud USB access, you can even secure personal access to your USB storage from anywhere. Nighthawk X8 is the next wave in Wi-Fi. To learn more, get over to netgear.com.au. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. I thought this week on the Tech Guide Help Desk, I would take the opportunity to let you know that it's actually Smart Stay Smart Online Week. Uh, and I thought, what what better time than the Stay Smart Online Week than to check your cybersecurity and take stock of how secure your online life is. Uh, the government is launching, uh, the as they launched the week uh, this week, they did point out some interesting statistics. In 2017, 90% of Australians will be online. That is remarkable. But every year, cybercrime is costing the Australian economy $1 billion. That's $1 billion every year. Cybercrime has that effect. So it is worth our while, literally worth our while, to be safer online, be more secure online, because in the last 12 months, sorry, since 2014, there's been more than 74,000 cyber crimes reported, and online scams and fraud accounts for 42%. So those, they're pretty sobering statistics that just really show that we do have to take care online. And what they've done, the uh, the government's launched their Stay Smart Online uh, a page, and it offers tips on not only staying smart, safe online at home, but also in your business as well, because businesses aren't immune to cyber cyber threats and security. So you need to be as smart in your business as you are in your home, and they have included some interesting tips on what to do. I'm going to go through some of them now. Here's securing your desktop or laptop computer. Install security software. It's a no-brainer. Get a verified provider. So pay for this this security software. Free internet security software is rubbish. Pay for your security software. One of our sponsors, I'll point out, is Norton. Try their products. You need a reputable software, internet security software on your computer. Keep your applications and software operating systems up to date because they do plug up security holes. So always have the latest software. Secure your home and office Wi-Fi with encryption and with a password. Uh, back up your data regularly. It's really important to have a backup of what's on your computer, on our phones. Having that backup offers a lot of peace of mind. If, say we get a new computer, all that stuff could be put straight on it from the backup. In in the unfortunate event where something happens or you might get hacked or you might the computer might fail, you do, it's good to know that all your stuff is safe having that backup. Use strong passwords. That goes without saying. Always have strong passwords. Use different passwords for different sites. It's really easy to use the same password across many sites and hackers, cyber criminals, that they count on us doing that. They bank on us doing that and take advantage of it. There are plenty of applications that can think of really secure passwords, mem- remember them for you on all your devices, so take advantage of those as well. Uh, learn about the best way to create and store passwords. I think uh, there's, there's lots of applications that I just mentioned that helps you do that. Uh, don't respond to emails that ask you for a password or financial information. These are phishing emails meant to trick you 
A bank isn't going to email you to tell you that you need to update your account, so please tell us your password, your username and password. They're not going to do it. Don't fall for it. Uh, and if be really careful of emails that ask you to click on links and attachments. If you don't know where they're from, that attachment could be installing something on your computer. Don't use public computers for things like online banking, shopping, all those things. Public Wi-Fi, while it's handy, and we mentioned this in our Norton, our Norton Live read earlier, the public Wi-Fi, there can be people snooping around the public Wi-Fi can grab things like your passwords, credit card details, things like that. Stay safe. You can also protect online accounts. Again, strong passwords, uh, different passwords for different uses, two-factor authentication. That's, that's important too. What that means is that logging in means you don't only have to put in your password, but also a code that is, that is messaged to your phone. So if there's someone trying to hack into your account, if they know your password, they're straight in. But if your account has two-factor authentication, they could know your password, but they don't have your mobile device to add that extra code that's sent to you when you try to log in. Two-factor authentication, really important, definitely worth checking out. Lock your mobile device as well. People think, eh, my mobile's safe, but it probably stores more personal information and details than our computers, and yet a lot of us don't have a passcode. So secure it with a passcode, a password, fingerprint, do that as well, and then you'll stay safe. Your stuff will stay, stay safe, and you won't get ripped off. It is Stay Smart Online Week, and there are some tips for you to do just that. Stay Smart Online. And that is our show for this week. You can read about everything that we've talked about at techguide.com.au. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at info at techguide.com.au. Special thanks to a shout out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure once again having you with us this week. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.